It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Leif Bailey. Leif is co-CEO of the Winger Group and is president of the Sales and Business Development Division at Winger. Leif has been with his third-generation family firm for 30 years, and this tenure has allowed him a unique perspective on the industries which they serve, as well as transnational businesses and cycles of innovation. Leif is a graduate of Kansas State University, and believing that the stresses of Sabetha City life to be too burdensome, Leif resides in the countryside with his wife and four children, where they can enjoy horseback riding and the shooting sports. Leif Bailey, welcome into the corner office. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here. Great to have you here and uh, wonderful to talk as, as kind of fall comes into to bear here. We were talking a few weeks ago and things were quite hot in both of our locations. Are, are they cooling down a little bit in your neck of the woods? They are. We've had a couple <laughs> glorious days. Uh-huh. The wonders of fall. It's beautiful. Yes. Well, listen, let's start a little bit about your early days. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about that, kind of your early years. Where did you grow up and you know what your early family life was like? I still live in the same general area where I was born, a little mm. tiny village really called Sabetha, Kansas. We're in the extreme northeast corner of Kansas. Uh, Sabetha is 2,500 people, has been uh, roughly that size for many, many generations. Mm. We are deep in the heart of agricultural country, but right. Sabetha is a very industrial little community. Huh. We have a lot of other other businesses outside of the winger group that have called Sabetha home and continue to provide manufacturing jobs for the surrounding area. Right. Gosh, I can imagine you're probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest employer there. Right. Right. Yeah. We are. Tell me about your parents, brothers and sisters. I know this is a family firm, so it's probably been an important part of your life and your siblings' life as you've been growing up. Right. It has been. Uh, the company was actually founded by my grandfather and one of his mm-hmm. brothers. Right. And then down through the generations, we are uh, completely into that, what they call cousins consortium. So <laughs> myself and two of my first cousins are co-CEOs. That's a very unusual arrangement wow. yeah. uh, even today. And that has definite advantages, some disadvantages. But I grew up, uh, actually, my parents felt that Sabetha was far too cosmopolitan. So I grew up out in the countryside <laughs> okay. with horses and cattle and uh, an agricultural background. Uh, I'm the first one in my immediate family. My mother 
of course, worked in the company when she was young in high right. school and, and college years, and then uh, became a stay-at-home mom. My father uh, was pure cowboy all the time. So again, <laughs> we grew up with horses and cattle and, and all of that. And I was, I joined the company beginning some high school summers and then joined the company right out of college. Yeah, right. So dad was never involved in the business. Um, never directly. No. Yeah, came from no. the mother's side. What about brothers and sisters? Did they get involved at all? I have one older sister and yeah. she, uh, her skills and talents and aspirations were not with the company. So, <laughs> um, I'm the first one, um, to not bear the winger last name right, to right, come into the family that. and be part of that management team. And that's, that's had some, some journey as well. Yeah. Your, are your cousins both with the winger last name? They are. Yes. Cousins. Yeah. Yep. Got it. Terrific. So a little, again, a little bit about the earlier life, what were, you know, some of the inspirations, some of the folks that influenced you, the, the memories of mom and dad and growing up out in the country. Yeah, uh, definitely was raised around an agricultural lifestyle, the neighbors helping out each other and all that. So grew up with a very firm work ethic. Mm. Uh, still, the the word is my bond mentality and just simply showing up when you even thought that a neighbor could use mm. uh, an extra hand. So nice. very tight family bonds, my immediate family, very tight uh, within the larger Bailey side of the family close bonds and and certainly on the winger side as well. Uh, my parents, uh, I don't want to make it sound like they didn't socialize, but family has always been our primary uh, avenue of exchange. So right, we, right. we still carry that on today. Um, really, family comes first yeah. is is how I was raised and, and uh, a strong work ethic being pivotal to that. Yeah. And it sounds like service was a very important part as well. Absolutely. Service to other family members, service to yeah. the community, service to neighbors. Yeah, it was really, uh, I look back on it now. At the time, I didn't, uh, certainly didn't think it was anything unusual or special, but what I've learned over the years and having uh, my wife and I having our own family and going through various stages is we really, I think, learned at a very early age to subordinate ourselves mm. and our personal desires to subordinate those to the larger family, mm. uh, the immediate family unit, as well as, you know, the next level out. And that, that really has created a, a strong bond. It's made us be very patient, made us right. be very understanding with each other's quirks and uh, skills and weaknesses. So, yeah. Yeah. It's been a good How, you you obviously were taught that, but I'm sure you observe that as well, Leif. What are some of your earliest memories of seeing that play out in your family? Yeah. Um I think what makes Sabetha and operating a global business inside of Sabetha and in, in this general area, I've all uh, often been asked by industry, by associations, with Winger's position today, why are we still located in a town of 2,500? <laughs> right. And it really gives us a unique flavor in regard to teamwork. So mm -hmm. the best mm -hmm. example is that, like everyone else in the world, I go to work and uh, I spend my working day with people. But the unique thing is at five o'clock or six o'clock, whatever it may be, 
I don't really have a chance to get away from those people. So if I have an (laughs) argument at work, I have to keep in mind that in (laughs) 20 minutes, I'm going to see that same person at the (laughs) basketball game. Right, right. And our kids (laughs) are sit at the table with them. Yeah, yeah. I'll be at the I'll be at the church uh, deacon board meeting. Right. So so it's uh, we have the microcosm of our Mm. immediate family. Most of the families. Uh, thankfully, have still in this area, still choose to come back home. It's a great place to raise family and kids. And um, so we've got multiple levels of family all the way out into the general population. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's a real good credo, you know, um, treat others that you work with as if you would see them 24 hours a day. You live yeah, that. Abs- absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but I think if those of us that live in larger towns and maybe don't spend that much time kept that in mind, uh, yeah, yeah. we probably have better cultures and better yeah. relationships. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Leif, both you and I are members of C12, a terrific peer advisory organization for right. CEOs globally. I think we're up to about almost 2,500, 2,600 members now. I think there's over 100 chapters. Um, how long have you been involved with C12? I believe I am closing in on my fourth year. Wonderful. Wonderful. I just, I've just, you know, crossed my second year. Uh, So tell me a little bit about your, your Christian upbringing was, was your family a Christian home? Did you come to to Christ later in life? Uh, Actually did grow up in a very Christian home. Mm -hmm. I grew up, um, so a lot of the small towns in the Midwest are formed typically around churches. Right. Uh, Sabetha, for no the exception. most part, happened <laughs> to be formed around a, a very old, uh, old line Anabaptist type church, so very okay. traditional. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in that environment. Again, a very respectful, very family oriented, uh, Bible based. So I, I, I met Christ at a very early age, and awesome. um, I can't point to any one event, any one lightning strike, or anything like that. I've just always always had a relationship although when my wife and I when our kids were growing older and and hitting those peak formative years of high school and college we just felt like we were not continuing to grow hmm. in that Anabaptist tradition so we left and joined uh, a local evangelical church uh-huh. and it's really been fantastic for hmm. us as a couple us individually and then for the kids so I would say that I I uh, knew Christ at a very early age, and uh, thankfully never strayed from that. Yeah. But I really got to know Christ as an adult through that uh, evangelical teaching. So. And then your kids were brought up in that church. Absolutely. As well. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Um, in back in the early days, high school, middle school, were you a good student? I was an incredibly average student, so um, excelled at the things that you enjoy. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, it was. Um, it was not something that I found that I had to work hard to get average grades, right. so I didn't. And honestly, my parents really, really stressed that school and grades and assignments and all that was just a part of my overall education. So they sure. really encouraged me to get home. I spent. A lot of my early years um, raising raising dogs, uh, training horses, working on the land, hunting, fishing, all that, just getting right. out and exploring. Right. Yeah. Any other uh, you know school based activities, sports, music, theater, or was it mostly yeah. getting back to the farm? Um, all of those things. Again, in a small town, you know, tryouts for events or 
clubs or teams is not terribly hard. <laughs> um, right, right. But I, I was an athlete, again, probably an average athlete, enjoyed it. Where I really started to find myself was in two teachers, a vocal teacher and mm. one of our theater teachers. And wow. uh, they were both deeply faithful people, uh, just really had their lives put together in perspective and uh, really poured into me a lot and helped me in those kind of high school formative oh, years. That's awesome. So d did some drama, did some school yeah. plays, speaking, debate as well. Was that part uh, of the curriculum? Did some debate, yeah. uh, some singing and, and all of that. You know, the art of good public speaking, unfortunately, has been lost so often in our early True. school days. I was involved in drama and also debate, both in college and high school. And I know how much that helped me in my corporate career. Have you felt as well right. that learning the, those early learnings about presentation and thinking on your feet has helped you as you've uh, advanced your career? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That some of those uh, even techniques, of course, were right. incredibly helpful. But right. the biggest one was just the ability to step out on stage or in front of the microphone when <laughs> right. you're scared. Yeah. Yeah. Getting over stage fright. Right. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, and I've always found debate very helpful, too. I think being able to, particularly as a CEO, looking at both sides of the equation, right? right? Being able to really debate and understand it. And particularly when you have people that are working for you that have conflicting uh, viewpoints, right? And you know, being so able true. to identify and work through them. Um, any entrepreneurial things you're involved with or, or did you get involved in the company business, uh, by the family business pretty quickly? Um, probably the earliest age, I was uh, raising and selling what in the ranching community is called uh, Queensland Blue Healer dogs. So they're huh. cattle herding wow. dogs. And yeah. I was doing that in middle school and uh, it was very profitable. Really? And yes. uh, really enjoyed it all through those years. And um, did you, you know, have beyond. both the male and the female or did, did you? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Great. So, so were they experience. They're thoroughbreds, were they, or, or not uh -huh. thoroughbreds? Or, uh, is that, yeah. I don't know if that's the term for dogs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. It's a specific breed and, yeah. and all yeah. of that. But, Fantastic. So um, you did that through school. And then when did you go, go to work for Wagner? I worked a couple summers in high school and a couple okay. summers in uh, college. Yeah. yeah. And, but did not formally join until after graduation. Got it. Now, mom and dad, did, did they go to college or did they have any professional education? No. And no. Old, older sister, did she go she, on? Or yes, she went she to did? college. Yes. Was it kind of expected of both of you that that's what you would do at a certain point in time? Yes, it was. I think yeah. at that, that point in history, that was just the uh, starting to be the expectation that that right. was the next step. We really didn't even question it. We just yeah. knew that after that your, high that school, that would be the next step and we yeah. would we would dig a little bit deeper into a particular area that interested us. So how did you go about doing that? How did you kind of decide what college you go to and, and what to study there? Yeah. Um, the, the closest and the one that I felt the most bonded to is Kansas state university. Mm -hmm. It's about 90 minutes away, a really right. good uh, mechanical engineering, food and feed science or some of the strong points of Kansas state. And I honestly, and knowing a little bit about the, the company and visiting with my grandfather and my uncle, who was uh, president at that time, my right. grandfather was chairman, thought that I would go into engineering. Right. And it engineering not, with the company. 
yes, but yeah, engineering right. at K-State, learning that, getting a degree, and it yeah, did yeah. not take long for me to understand that I was not cut out to be an engineer. <laughs> how many semesters? <laughs> um, it was more like how many weeks? Um, <laughs> Pretty quickly. It, wow. it was, I think I walked out of the first day with an ashen stunned look on my face. <laughs> Your head spinning. Right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and very quickly transferred over into the business college thinking okay. that, well, surely I can find something there and right. really started to find myself and get engaged in all of that. So oh. was there an area of specialty? Did you find accounting more um, interesting or business law or anything like that? Uh, for me, it was primarily the the management disciplines mm -hmm. right. uh, did gravitate towards marketing as well. I wound up with uh, a marketing degree with an emphasis in management and also one in public relations. So oh, cool. kind of tried to, to cover again, more of that public speaking presence strategy. I enjoy the strategy portion of, yeah. of the business more than anything. Now your work at the family firm prior to graduating, uh, did that include management responsibility or was it kind of, you know, working on the line, uh, helping out around the loading dock, that type of thing? It was absolutely pushing a, a broom <laughs> and running a scoop shovel. Right, right. The dirtiest jobs possible. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's something to say, though, about doing those entry-level things, right? Particularly oh, absolutely. Coming later. So absolutely. went to work full-time out of school. What, what was that Correct. first job at the company? The first job was primarily analyzing markets and assisting in setting the overall innovation and sales marketing strategies. Oh, right. Now, you'd mentioned when we spoke a, a few weeks back that uh, well, you're quite unique, particularly given that you're center of the country and in a quite small town, that you've got quite a bit of international business. In fact, I think you said close to 80 percent, if I'm not mistaken. That um, is correct. And was it granddad that kind of got you into that business? And had that been already established by the time you joined? Well, what's kind of interesting, uh, most people probably my age uh, can look back over the career or over the length of the company and see all these these pivotal moments right. when something happened. So granddad was not interested in international markets hmm. whatsoever. It, it caused him anxiety to think of all that complexity. And right. at that time, in the uh, we were founded in 1935 and went through the war years and oh. all that. But we were uh, in the early 50s, late 40s, early 50s, we were actually importing some equipment from overseas. We worked mm. with a, an import-export firm in Kansas City, developed a relationship with the owner of that export-import firm. Right. And he started just talking to us and learning about Winger, and, and he's really the one that took us into export markets. Our mm. first export sale was in 1953 to wow. Venezuela of all places. Yeah, fantastic. And, um, you know, we really have, have just continued to grow from that point until today. Um, yes, 80% is export. That's great. And how many countries do you do business in today? Um, today, Every country that the U.S. State Department will allow. And so, again, over the long span of, of Winger history, in the 60s and 70s, we were doing business quite happily, quite successfully in Syria. Yeah, Iran, um, probably. Iran, Iran. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And, and as those political environments change, of course, so does our ability to sell. But we have equipment uh, 
really uh, probably in Central Africa would be mm. the only populated country that that we do not have some equipment or some presence in. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's such a such a success story. And um, uh, did you take on some leadership uh, responsibilities fairly early on? Uh, did they rotate you through a number of different positions? How did your career get started? Yeah, I would say at that point in time, um, we did not have any kind of career paths or anything mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. it was very much jump in the deep end or get thrown into the deep end and and see if you can come back to the surface. So that was <laughs> sink or swim. I, I started in what we call our winger technical center. It's kind of a research facility for ourselves and for the right. industry to use. And you know, again, started pushing brooms and uh, unloading sacks of ingredients. And in my spare time was starting to dig into the marketing strategy and all of that and, mm. and spent several years in that kind of, uh, flux environment, a little bit of both, and then eventually gravitated towards just strictly setting up strategy and working within the sales department and and growing winger presence Mm. worldwide. Do you remember the first time you started managing other people? I do. Mm. Um, Actually, that one of my first experiences in managing was I uh, worked through college. Um, My parents, fortunately, could provide for that, but I needed to work in college for me and to develop right. kind of my own sense. And I worked in a in a men's clothing store selling uh-huh. uh, high end Hart Schaffner and Mark suits uh, as a college kid, and I still have no idea how I lucked into that position <laughs> and wound up getting to manage other college kids that were part of that group. Nice. And it was really instrumental. I got to work directly under the owner and a World War II vet that were wow. kind of partners in that. And the, the World War II vet was just a phenomenal individual and really poured a lot into me at that formative time as well. Learned a lot about sales too, I'm sure, oh, customer service. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, never to underestimate the person walking in the door. I got to, <laughs> uh, right. I got to sell suits and fit suits to CEOs and janitors and yeah. you just, you never knew what the situation would be. And it was, it was really enjoyable. Right. Right. What about uh, managing people at Winger? When did that come about? Uh, that came about, I think, uh, probably my eighth or ninth year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, just began managing parts of our sales force and being more on the front line with customers right. and and dealing with that of course had the long-term perspective and understood really what the winger mission was right. and how we wanted to approach things and that was really helpful and uh, still you know even at that young age i was managing people that were quite a bit my senior yeah, i can imagine but, yeah but again in this small environment uh blessedly they uh, I think understood and appreciated that Winger is family owned, that right. we've done a good job of doing that. So we, we never really have gotten too hung up on titles here at Winger. It's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. much more been about what you do and, and how you go about doing things. So was fortunate was it, to have some really good, yeah, good examples and yeah. some good coaching from actually my quote unquote subordinates at the right. time. Sure. Sure. And I, and I imagine it, 
could have been a little difficult given that you were a family member and you were managing people that had worked there maybe as old as you were, right, at the time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> Did yes. that create any problems for you early on during those days? Uh, it, uh, I can't avoid uh, the fact that, yes, it did. There were some relationships that were just always uh Somewhat tense or trying. And and again, others were just incredible situations where my elder slash subordinate poured into me and Mm. would pull me aside and say, you could probably approach it a little bit better by doing this. (laughs) What were some of those lessons? Can you remember some of those from the early days? Um you know, probably more than anything, it was me and my youth and enthusiasm taking a moment to slow Mm. down. Yep to think through, to really listen, and more than anything, just to put myself in their shoes. So, you know, they are, the the group that I was working with was predominantly out in the marketplace trying to convince uh, prospects to buy the winger product, but often they had as much hard work once they brought the order inside winger. And there's, you know, dealing with engineering and uh, production scheduling and manufacturing and all that. So, Quickly, I found that most of my time was spent internally trying to get the rest of the winger team to understand different perspectives. Because right. you do quite a bit of custom work, from what I understand. We do, yes. Yeah. We yeah. have we have a number of uh, quite a broad range of products, but each one of those project products rather is generally customized specific Mm. to the customer's needs. Right, right. I'm sure that's been a huge differentiator, particularly as you've grown globally, right? Absolutely. The needs of each individual marketplace has to be very, uh, very different. Um, You know, was it kind of a foregone conclusion that you'd be CEO someday? Did you want that? Uh, You know, thinking back again to those early years, was it expected of you? You know, what kind of went through your mind uh, during those those first five or 10 years or so you were there? Honestly, it was never pushed on me. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents didn't. Uh, the rest of the family didn't. I just wanted to join something that had been such a part of my forming and, and my family's life. And I knew the role that Winger had in the community and how hard it is for small towns to continue to grow and thrive. And I wanted to be part of Mm. uh, feeling that obligation. And I I do enjoy that feeling of obligation uh, that comes with being uh, really a a cornerstone of our community. A lot of the other industry that has has formed in Sabatha have either been friendly spinoffs of Winger or People that have started something completely unrelated, but come to us for advice. Right. And and so I really love what we've got going on here in Sabetha. It's, as I like to say, it's not uh, it's not quite Mayberry, but we can see Mayberry <laughs> from here. So just uh, uh, an outstanding environment. And yeah. every week we have visitors from around the globe that come in to visit Winger or one of the other companies in the area. So we right. are a very international little town it is it is so unusual sounds so unique I, I hope to be able to visit someday as we spoke uh, last time um tell us a little bit about your ascension to ceo you'd mentioned earlier that you've got two cousins that are all co-ceos were you all uh, appointed at the same time uh did you join later earlier how did that kind of evolve 
Yeah, there's about a 10, 11 year gap between me and my oldest cousin, who's also okay. a CEO. And then right. the, the second one is kind of right in between in us. Between. Right. And again, when we came into the company, there was no career planning, no path, right. just, right. just grab something and get her done and get her done. <laughs> exactly. And we all tended to gravitate towards different areas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that was, again, to me, I look back and, and I think that was not just happenstance that was mm -hmm. guided as we see so many things happening in our company that have uh, divine intervention behind right. them. So we gravitated towards different areas yeah. and uh, it was a situation where we just continued to take more and more responsibility. And that was really expected. It was, it was never, never coached from, hmm. from, you know, the second generation. Right. I'm Cause your, your uncle generation. was CEO, I, I presume, right? At the time. You so yeah, right. he their was, yes, their father. So he mm -hmm. was primarily interested in seeing really how much, uh, backbone we had. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. uh, we really worked into the role and we began, really operating as division presidents, okay. you could say, without right. the title. Um, and we, we operated that way for many years. Mm. And we one day realized that, you know, we are spending so much time within, for example, my group. I'm constantly within my group encouraging and coaching them that as sales, we need to do a better job of preparing and planning information for our coworkers which are in a different silo, but mm. we spent so much time encouraging teamwork amongst our direct reports. And we realized it's going to be really hypocritical if we mm. spend years coaching teamwork and then the company turns around and sees us fighting over who's right. going to get to be CEO. Mm. So we just sat down one day and said, we're going to be co-CEOs. We're going to do strategy, hmm. long-term strategy together. We're going to agree on it or we're not going to do it. Uh -huh. But then within our direct reports, you know, my responsibility in sales, business development and, and uh, technical center is to make sure that my groups are harnessed and pulling towards that long-term strategy. Hmm. And that's worked incredibly well for a long time. Not so, without. So the three of you pretty much succeeded then uh, your uncle and their father simultaneously. Correct. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Got it. Correct. Interesting. Yeah, it's not been without bumps. Or, um, <laughs> it's a unique situation. Yeah. You know, sometimes some long periods of frustration, and we, so far, have always been able to to come together and and tend to put again. Maybe it's that family culture right. that we're right. bound to, kind of put our our differences and honestly, sometimes our grudges aside and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. focus on a bigger picture. Some What's of that's our. Our faith upbringing, and some of yeah. us again, just the fact that we're we're gonna we don't we don't vacation together, we don't do all of that, but you know our families are your lives are close. very well integrated. Yeah, yeah. You, you spoke earlier about divine intervention. Tell me a little bit about that. Give me an example, maybe how Christ was involved in in the business, or you know your faith uh, led you to making decisions that you know really perhaps became clearer later that he was involved, but you didn't see it at the time. Yeah. Um, so my grandfather, again, the founder, seventh grade education, wow. height of the depression and, and yeah. Dust Bowl, all of those things. So 
Um, he always, he and his wife, my grandmother, always had a deep, deep faith. Again, mm. coming from that Anabaptist, uh, very traditional background. Right. So even growing up, when we were at an age and the family was to the size where we were still going to grandma and grandpa's on Sunday afternoons for for supper or sure. uh, you know birthdays and all of that, invariably, grandpa would talk about faith and how it mm. has impacted the company. Mm. Now, I would say at that point in time, um, and even in the, in the second generation, faith was still something fairly private. So if asked right. by a client or somebody, you know, they would say, we, we, Winger looks a little and acts a little different. Why is that? <laughs> he, would, he would just say, well, we're based on faith, and he would drop it. As the generations have gone on, we've become much more open and and vocal about that. Um, The importance of faith. For us, it's the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. For some of our employees, it's a different faith, and we are perfectly fine with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But we just grew up always knowing, um, Grandpa always saying, I barely made it out of the seventh grade. Um, (laughs) All I did was work hard and God blessed me with the rest. He blessed me with good people at the right time. And here's where we are today. So basically he always coached us. Don't ever think it's your own making because it's not. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, that's terrific. And, you know, it sounds like that's a a very important uh, thread within the winger culture. Um, You know, you as a third generation CEOs, uh, you know, how do you kind of continue that legacy? You know, what are your thoughts on continuing to build a company culture? What what types of things do you do? What does that look like on an ongoing basis? Right. Uh, That's a great question. As the company has grown, so, um, you know, multiples uh, of sales growth and people today, we're right at 500 people worldwide, Mm -hmm. about 350 of those are in Sabetha. And so we have, over time, we've had to codify more and more because so many of the people that are joining us today, they didn't know Lou or Joe Winger or how or why no so um so we we do still value our tradition our history we do still talk about it and uh incorporate that into our presentations but really we try to we try to respect and honor the past but we're really much more about where we're going as a Mm. company where we can innovate where we can bring value that's our biggest thing where we can bring value to not only our customers, but our vendors, our employees, the schools that they attend, the communities that they live in. And so we're just always trying to live out those values. We have uh, firmly established vision, mission, and Mm. values that we reinforce constantly. And probably the biggest thing that has helped us in that transition into becoming more of what we are today, where we're known for being a very faith-based organization, is we started absolutely encouraging, almost demanding that when you see, when you, Mr. Team Member, mm. out on the floor or or based in yeah. Sri Lanka, right, when you right. see me do or say something that's hypocritical to vision, mission, values, 
honestly, if you love me, you will call me on call it. it out. Yeah. So hmm. we do emphasize that a lot. And some nice. of that has been very embarrassing and very painful. Right. But as our team members have seen us kind of own that hypocrisy and make correction, it's really built an incredibly mm. strong bond of trust within our group. So when crisis happens, and we've had some crises happen, both uh, financially, economically, but we lost a very loved and long-term mm. service technician in the uh, Brussels airport mm. terrorist mm. bombing. Oh, so, yeah. you know, just... Um, it's it's the peaks and valleys that family goes through, and sometimes family has to speak very candidly to right. each other. Right, right. Excellent. Cool. That's great. Thank you for your candor on that. Um, we're almost out of time, but I've got a couple right. extra questions. This has gone so quickly. Uh, what do you look for, Leif, when you're looking to make bets on the people you uh, hire and then invest in? Okay. Uh, I think that's a fantastic question. Um Really, again, we look for people who not only tell us or say the right things, mm. but we watch them in action. So mm. really for us, it, it kind of goes back to that cowboy code of ethics. Um, don't just don't just tell me how good you are at this position. I'll trust you. Right. But you're going to have to show it. And you're going to have to produce it. And I really like to see people uh, both under pressure and I like to see people, uh, how they act when they're outside of the work environment. Mm. And mm. one of the best examples was my first business trip. Um, I'm young, just out of college, and I'm with one of one of the winger superstars. I mean, this guy is literally in our industry. He is known and <laughs> revered around the world. And I'm traveling with him. And we stop at a McDonald's late one night. And there's a teenage kid there who's mopping the floor. Mm. And I was I was headed to the bathroom. So he I know this guy was not doing it as a show to me, but as I came back out, I saw Galen's back turned to me. <laughs> and he was talking to this teenager saying, You are doing a really nice job. I appreciate how clean this McDonald's is. And I could see the teenager's spine straighten up mm. and he took pride and he smiled and mm. it just transformed that kid. And I thought right there, I've, I have seen what great leadership, great servant heartedness is about. Mm. Nobody told me, I just watched one of my coworkers right. do it. And I thought, man, I want to be that guy. <laughs> that's awesome. So I, that's what I look for is people yeah. who, who contribute to, who build up others. And how do you get that? How do you get that in an interview environment then? Or or do you do other things beyond the face to face to kind of get at that? Because that that well, observational yeah. behavior is hard to see. It is very hard to see. So we do ask a lot of uh, kind of odd peripheral questions mm. just just to get a sense for that. So right, again, right. being in Sabetha is kind of a microcosm. Right, so right, they're living there already. Chances are you're, living you're, there already. You're, you're one point of separation from them. Yeah, most. I'm, I'm honestly, every year I'm watching the high school, sophomore, junior, right, seniors right, and right. seeing what they get involved with, how yep. they are, um, you know, just how they interact. And we yep. interact a lot and do a lot of high school tours and all of that. So yeah, um, some of the, other positions being brought in, that's when we have to do a little yeah, bit more little of our own work. And yeah, yeah. 
multiple interviews, multiple people, multiple interviews. Well, there's a, a big advantage of, of having a great company in a small town. <laughs> you get, get to know your potential workforce real quickly and very absolutely. well. Keep your pulse on the labor market. Excellent. Well, last question, Leif, and we ask this of all our CEOs. What, what career and life advice would you give to someone who you know has their eyes on the corner office themselves? Maybe they're in a family business like you. Maybe it's third or fourth generation, and you know they're competing with a bunch of cousins to get to the top, or or perhaps you know they're in a corporate environment, but you know they're 10, 15 years your junior. What what, what kind of things would you tell them about? Uh, what to do if they have their ambition for for additional responsibility and leadership? Uh, probably one of the most critical things for me over the years is to is to have for me in particular it was to have that basis in faith mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and to be able to establish very early on guardrails. I had a lot of good advice in terms of establishing guardrails in that I'm going to be traveling internationally. Nobody's going to see me, but you better have guardrails. And, and so for me, it was an understanding that I needed the guardrails. I would be tested and, um, and just to be prepared for that. So, uh, probably the other thing is I always encourage the the high school kids that I interact with, uh, they cannot wait for opportunity to knock. They have Mm. to get out in the street and play and get knocked around by a few cars before they find one that they can grab onto (laughs) that will take them somewhere. Mm. And then for me, the final thing is to always look at life as a series. And again, I think this is primarily divine intervention. Mm. I do think obstacles and opportunities are synonymous, that they are closely matched. And I think today's culture, we, we tend to avoid obstacles. We tend to avoid pain. We tend to avoid frustration. And uh, I think biblically, we're just told that that is part of our life. And That's it's how we embrace that yeah. that really counts. So um, probably more than anything, the advice I would give, uh, it's how I sign all of my communication. It's press on regardless, mm. period. Yeah. And um to really kind of absorb those trials and those frustrations and try to wring something out of them of worth because you'll learn things you can't learn any other way. Well, Leif Bailey, co-CEO of the Wenger Group based in Sabetha, Kansas, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. I've enjoyed it tremendously. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 